Blog Talk Radio. Animal here on July 22nd, 2013, July 22, 2013, I saw today, just this morning, an interesting discussion on the SourceCon Facebook group run by Jeremy Roberts. Anyway, there were two people chatting, and they both uh, are well-known, and they both refused to come on this show, so... Excuse me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to mention their names. You know, SourceCon is also a, a closed group, so maybe I won't. I'm going to call one of them Mary and the other one Bill. Now, Mary was doing a little bragging. She said that she was sourcing mobile engineers out of the Bay Area to move to Las Vegas, and listen to this, for 40% less pay. She's getting people to relocate for like half the pay they're earning now. Sounds totally impossible to me. And I think Bill, Bill thought so too, because here's what he said. He said, look, Mary, you can't deny the effect of your high profile company brand. If you were in an agency trying to recruit the exact same people, I don't think you'd get very far. So Mary says, look, Bill, a strong brand wasn't the only factor in my response rate. How dare you? She says there were a number of things in play. And I want to highlight these because this is what she thinks makes her successful. Number one, personalization. Number two, customization. Number three, persistence. Number four, follow-up. And number five, my use of a variety of outreach platforms. Now, I think you can actually condense those because doesn't personalization and customization, don't they sound like the same thing? You write an email after looking at the person's LinkedIn profile, so you put a few uh, specifics in there. Number two, I want to point out, persistence and follow-up. Aren't they the same thing as well? You, you contact a person, they don't get back to you, so you keep going after them. Number three, variety of outreach platforms. <laughs> what does that mean? And go on Twitter? I don't know. Anyway, then someone else. It was an ongoing discussion. I'll call this woman Betty. She said that all of the people she speaks to, they don't like LinkedIn. When she's trying to recruit somebody, they won't respond on LinkedIn. She said, in fact, the engineers, we've all heard it, are taking their profiles down. And she said, in mail? doesn't work for the Boston startup scene, which is, I guess, where she specializes. And she said, in mail doesn't work for millennials either. She quoted a 2014-2014 last year social media update by the Pew Research Center. It said only 23% of people between the ages of 18 and 29 <laughs> use LinkedIn. First thing that came to mind to me there why would an 18 <laughs> why would someone who's 18 be using LinkedIn anyway? It's ridiculous. But Bill had a comment on that too. Remember Bill? He's a famous uh, guy in the recruiting scene. He says, "Listen, I manage a team that recruits data scientists 
data visualization experts, and mobile developers. And you know what? They use InMail, and they get results. And I know he said there's data, allegedly data, that says software engineers hate phone calls from recruiters. But you know what? We use the phone, and you know why? Because it works. And you know why it works? Because we do it right. And maybe you don't. Anyway, he didn't. He told Betty. He told Betty. He put Betty in her place, and he put Mary there too. Anyway, but he didn't tell us how to do it right. Okay, so I'm going to ask my guest today on Jerry. Jerry, what show is this? The recruiting animal. If you call into this show to listen to Jerry, and I know some people do, they're not interested in me, uh, you should sign off right now and not come back till September, okay? Because he is gone. Anyway, yeah, there's a guy who called in today, said it's the second time he's called. His name is Matt Siami. Matt Siami, and he posted on Twitter today, or Facebook rather, that Jerry and Alejandro are the only things worth listening to on this show. So I think Alejandro might be here, but uh, Jerry is gone, Matt Siami. So you want to hang up? I don't care. Alejandro's here. Good. Matt can stay on. You gave him a reason to stay. Thanks, Al. Okay. I'm going to turn to my guest. Now I call him the recruiting king of Scotland. Is there a more famous person in the recruiting business from Scotland than Stephen O'Donnell? Are you here? I know you are. Say hi. Stephen O'Donnell, speak up. Oh, <laughs> your you mic isn't open. Okay, you're on now. Say hello, Steve. Hello, everybody. Okay. Can I just repeat? Animal! Okay. You know what? <laughs> I wanted you to be fiery, but you have to, you know, really do it. Don't, don't, don't hold back, okay? Okay, so this is a... Uh, yeah, you were here two years ago. You're back today. We planned on, on a song. You picked uh, Johnny Cash, right? So it means you're ready to sing. I Am I right? Okay, so we're going to do Folsom Prison Blues. Uh, I, there's a lot of people on the line. I know some of them must know some of it. And not only that, today there's backup music. So we're going to sing. Everybody uh, we're going to sing with a record. It's not as bad. Okay, right. so you and me and anybody else who wants to join in. Okay, I'm going to start the record. There's some intro music. When he starts singing, we start singing. Okay? Here we go. Who are you trying to get crazy with, Whitey? Don't you know I'm local? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Oh, I got a little intro for that, too. Sorry, everybody. I'm trying to do some new things, okay? Get the bloody out of you. <laughs> hey, there we go. Let's see what this says. Get <laughs> bloody out of you. Okay, Stephen O'Donnell, you used to be yeah. a recruiter, but you're not a recruiter anymore. Is that right? Yes or no? Still a recruiting manager? I have a couple of guys working for me now who are recruiters, but I'm not recruiting hands-on, no. Okay. Are you involved in the business at all? Absolutely. Okay. So you used to own a job board called uh, All Jobs Suck, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, maybe that's the American way of pronouncing it. I would call it alljobsuk.com, but yes, okay. and it wasn't a job board. It was a directory. Okay. So you don't have a job board anymore. You don't own a job board. No. Okay. No. I, you, I run the National Online Recruitment Awards. Oh, no, no, I, I'll uh, get to that. Didn't I tell you to wait about that? I told you just say yes or no, okay? You sell online yes, yes. personality you sell online personality assessments, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay, and you build you build websites for recruiters, is that true? I do, yes. Okay. And your name on Twitter is Stephen in the funny way, S T E P H E N. O-D-O-N-N. O-D-O-N-N. Yes. Your website yes. is iwrite.com. A-Y-E-R-I-G-H-T.com. Okay. Now, I'm yes. going to let you do a, an ad for the two things you're promoting right now, True Scotland and the National Online Recruitment Awards. Try not to mumble, okay, because you are a mumbler, okay? I'm going to tell you right now. It's oh, time to up. change. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, I'll start with True Scotland. I'll start with True Scotland. True Scotland is uh, one of the worldwide true events. Uh, I'm also involved with Bill Berman and uh, Recruiting Daily in the, uh, the, the the organizing of true events. You know what? So true, uh, Scotland. true Scotland yep. is an unconference. You get together very informally yep. with a bunch of other recruiters, yep. and you yak all day, right? Absolutely. Yes. What's the it's date? On the 17th What's of the September. date? What's the date? What? 17th of, 17th of September. 2015. And it's okay. in Glasgow. Glasgow. At the Hard Rock Cafe. Hard Rock Cafe. Oh, that's Bill's connection. Okay. Yeah. And so you've got the yeah. National Online Recruitment Awards. You started it. You're very proud of it. Nominations yep. are now open. How do how do people nominate yeah. recruiters? How do people nominate? They can nominate via they can nominate via the website, which is NoraUK.com. Uh, N O R A U K dot com. Yeah, and companies themselves, websites can register to have uh, a graphic on their website to encourage their candidates to nominate them for the NORAs. The, 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 the NORAs are entirely nominated by members of the public. 
you know what? You're old enough already, and you've got enough connections that you should teach yourself how to speak in public, okay? Because that's not good. <laughs> if I'm, you know what? We're, to, we're 10 minutes into the show, and people are saying, when's it going to start? Okay? So uh, let me say, uh, I noticed something. You think rejecting candidates should be a specialty niche job, and the companies that get uh, high volumes of uh, resumes should hire these companies to uh, disengage. That's the new term, disengage from uh, applicants. Is that right? You want to talk about that a bit, or is it just, yeah, yes or no? I'm, I'm happy to talk about it, but no, I don't think it should be a specialist niche job, uh, but I did think that, uh, I do think that there's, a, there's a, a scope out there for companies to do exactly that, because disengaging or rejecting candidates is, uh, is, a, is a big part of any in-house recruitment manager's job, or indeed agencies. And frankly, they don't do it that well. Why not? What do you mean they don't do it well? Well, they're doing it in volume. They're doing it in a very impersonal way. And they're doing it in a way that doesn't retain the goodwill of the candidate or indeed keep the candidate how could engaged they, how for could they potential retain the other. Goodwill? How could they retain the goodwill of a candidate? You're getting an email that says, we don't want you. What should they do? Well, they, they should give counselling to the candidate on where else they might be able to find a job, where else yeah, they can direct them. You said this is for high volume. This is for high volume. You know, I, it's just yeah. nonsense. This is for high volume. You've got 1,000 people you don't want. <laughs> Are you going to give personal free counselling for every one of them? Well, if you're, if you're a large brand company, if you're Walmart, for example, then it would be uh, in your PR department's interest to make sure that those people went away with a smile on their face. Well, give Even them a, though they didn't give, get the job. Give them a five dollar gift card? No, no, I don't see it happening. Okay. I think I could do that. I, I totally think you could do that. Okay. Anybody else want to comment on that before we move on? Feel free to say if you think I'm boring, Jerry's not here to do it, okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. How do you personally lose turn off your loser candidates? Or did you? How do the people in your company do it? You know, do, do they say, hey, we don't want you, uh, sorry, somebody else was uh, more right on, or do they, you know, counsel them, just like you said a minute ago? Well, I, I would personally counsel the candidates as much as I can, and, and frankly squeeze them for more information, but uh, some candidates you outright just have to reject and thank them for the time and ask them to move along. But other candidates, for the most part, if they're in your sector, uh, then they can be influencing uh, clients and candidates uh, otherwise down the line. So you're going to com- come across the same people again and again. And if you're working in a niche sector, then uh, it really pays dividends to uh, to keep on good terms so with as many people as possible. So you give them specific information why they didn't get the job? I try not to. I'll tell them that someone else was closer to what the company was looking for. But okay, no, yeah. if, if you open up that kind of one, then you're getting <laughs> yeah, yeah, Okay, so I mean, what are you doing that's special? Nothing. I so mean, is really, this special treatment for people who are in the process, or is it just for anyone who applied? He said he's got a candidate that gets rejected, and he won't tell them why, just like everybody else. You don't want to be uh, right. vulnerable. Right, but I'm, but I'm also saying, you know, this special uh, – methodology that you're espousing was it anyone who entered the process with you interviewed or is it just anyone who applied who thought to apply okay when he was talking about it before he meant any application if you're walmart and you get 500 applications for a job you have to give some special treatment to you know 499 people who are not getting that job that's what he was saying well, these are Nonsense. all people who have engaged with Walmart one way or another, whether they're applying for a job or they're walking through the doors. So uh, uh, treat them as customers as well as applicants. 
Yeah, you know what? The problem is when someone tells you some hot air statement like that, treat them as customers, then you start pressing a little what that actually means. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's nonsense. There's no need to you want, I'll give you a chance. A, what does that mean? Treat them as customers. It was a comment I made two weeks ago. What does that mean? What does it mean? So, yeah, give us an example of what that means. I'm actually working on something like that right now. Dead silence. Uh, What does freedom as a customer mean? Before we lose the whole audience, just say, I don't have anything more to say about that. It's just a buzzword. Happy to go on about it, but it's not going to be interesting. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay, let's leave it at that. How important is a website for a recruiter since you build them? How important is that? That is absolutely essential for recruiters. Uh-huh. The, uh, the, a, few, a few years ago, some recruiters were giving up websites to uh, to, to focus entirely on LinkedIn or Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's that's a load of nonsense. Uh, it's, it's absolutely essential. Uh huh. You, you know, Jerry doesn't have a website, and he thinks he's pretty successful. In fact, he's so successful that he can take off the whole summer, right? Going to baseball games and stuff yeah. like that. Okay. Well, he Jerry's doesn't have the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. What? Jerry is the exception that proves the rule. Okay, well, uh, I know know some other people, too. Let me ask you this. What point, if you're you're a recruiter who's going out headhunting people, what's the value of a website? What what purpose does it serve? Well, the difference between uh, recruiters and job boards is immense, but uh, to look at most recruitment agencies' websites, they look just like job boards, and that's that's a complete waste of space in my book. if you have expertise and experts in your uh, in your recruitment firm, then you need to show the world that. You need to demonstrate your expertise. You need to show that you know this marketplace, that you've got uh, people who know this marketplace intimately. Uh, and a job board, that there are people behind the, the jobs that okay. are advertised. Okay, okay. a minute ago you dismissed LinkedIn. Jerry calls somebody up. Not that he does. He's got minions working for him. So he calls up and says, hi, I'm Jerry Albright. I'm working on this position. While he's talking to the guy, puts his name into Google. He's going to get the LinkedIn profile. It's got all the information there that you're saying should be on the website. There he can see that, you know, he's uh, the only thing he can't see is that he's part of a, a team. So big deal. He knows that Jerry knows what he's talking about. LinkedIn is a great place where a recruiter can show off what they can do. They can they can uh, have all their track record and expertise in there. But uh, frankly, you're then subject to the vagaries of LinkedIn, and LinkedIn changes from minute to minute, never mind day to day. Uh, and uh, and I'd far rather have full control of how it was presented to the public. So uh, a recruitment website. Uh, should have the personality of the firm, the personality of the individuals working in the firm, and uh, and project much more about the way the firm goes about the business. You know what? Let me here. Let's move to the next question. Although I have to say, I I uh, advertised you for this show as the recruiting king of Scotland. You're like the recruiting king oh. of non-answers. Okay, <laughs> I have nothing to say. Oh yeah, I could answer it, but it's going to be boring, so I won't. Here's something. There's a problem with the idea of branding. You just said every website should show the personality of the company, you know, and and the whole thing with branding is that everybody's different. Everybody has to show their strong features that other people don't have. Everybody's the same. Mm. That's the whole thing. Recruiters aren't that much different from each other, and their websites are not going to be different either. They're all just the same stuff. Do you deny that? I do not deny that. Most recruiters are doing the exact same thing in pretty much the exact same way. But these are different people who 
will have different profiles uh, themselves uh, of uh, of how they go about things. So uh, recruitment is the same uh, from from the, the top of the UK to the bottom of the UK to the states to Australia. You're finding people for jobs. There are only three elements in recruitment: uh, a job, a candidate, and an employer. And the recruiter is just the person who's trying to put those three things together. And it's not rocket science, so it's not going to be that different. But let's face it, people have all sorts of perceptions uh, and misconceptions about what recruitment companies are and how they go about their business. So you need to be able to demonstrate that your firm has integrity, that your firm is in tight with the clients. How can you demonstrate that you've got integrity? You can show examples of the work that you've already done. You can have testimonials for clients that you've done work for. You can have candidates that you've worked with who have yeah. done well in their careers. Yeah, they're called LinkedIn recommendations. Let's move on. Anybody want to say something before I'm, you know, to you know? I'm dismissing to... your LinkedIn recommendations because that's a load of baloney. Okay. Yeah, but the testimonials on your website aren't right. Absolutely. Okay. Here's something you uh, you think that uh, people, recruiters, tend to make up their minds about a candidate in the first five minutes of the interview, but it might not be till the end of the interview when the candidate relaxes that they really show that they're an outstanding match. Outstanding made me laugh that they're an outstanding match for the job. Do you have any examples from your history that, you know, would indicate? First of all, does anybody online agree with them, you know, People make up their minds in the first five minutes of talking to a candidate, but really you might not find out till the end of the interview that they're really good. Does anybody agree with him about that? Anybody want can, to be Can I correct you there, actually, Animal? What I was saying was that you're, more, you're likely to think certain things in the first five minutes about someone and think this person is perfect or this person is terrible. But if you give the interview enough time to, uh, to develop, then... A great candidate at the start may work out to be terrible by the end of the interview and vice versa. So I, I really do think that it's worth spending the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we know that. I said that five minutes ago. Do you have any examples no, you from you your oh, oh, no, no, that's what I said. Do you have any examples from your history that would indicate that? Just say no absolutely. if you don't. Uh, you do? Okay, give me an example. No, well, uh, me- there was a girl I interviewed. Yeah. The girl I interviewed, a girl engineer. Her name was Aditi Priya Darshini. Uh, I remember because I loved the name, uh, and uh, and she was uh, she was a woman engineer, and it's going back a while. But I initially thought this, you know, the CV looks good, but uh, she she doesn't seem to be what I'm after. But the more I got into the interview, the more, uh, frankly, she was a perfect candidate. She was bang on, and I uh, had her for interview uh, with the client the next uh, the next day. Uh, okay, what was it? What was it? You didn't see at the beginning. That you saw later on, I didn't see the depth of of passion that she had for engineering. She was really, really into engineering. She actually she had a degree in medicine, and ditched that to go back and retrain as an engineer. Okay, so it was her so, personality. Yeah, it, 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 it was what she said. Her personality was great, but what she said about how she was turned on to engineering is what fired me up. And when candidates no. enthuse the recruiter then that's got to be a great thing. Okay, but the skills weren't the main issue there because you knew right away from the start she had the skills. She had the skills on paper, but uh, I didn't know to what degree she would uh, she would uh, uh, get the client excited. Uh, so what, having done that, I knew that she wouldn't embarrass me in an interview. 
and the can- the client loved her. Okay. 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 Now you think recruiters, I'm quoting you here, although you can tell me that I got it wrong. You think recruiters are technological idiots. And I, I know there's a guy, Matt Siami. Here, I'm giving him all these name mentions. He's, uh, but no one yeah. can spell it. Okay. He's, uh, he, he heard you tell me that, okay? That recruiters mm. are technological idiots. Or I think you said morons. Go ahead. Morons is the word. Yeah. I, what I said was that there is a disproportionate amount of recruiters who are technological morons. Uh, and I don't mean that to be unkind, although it sounds it. Uh, but there are a lot of people in recruitment who, frankly, just aren't up to the job from a, a technological point of view. Uh, it was okay years ago to get by with, scan, with very little knowledge of technology and how it works. But frankly, I think the responsibility for any recruiter these days is not only to keep up with, but to be ahead of the game in terms hold of... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I let you talk for five minutes without saying anything. Uh, uh, say something. What, are, what don't they know that they should know? Get to the point. <laughs> only earlier this week, I spoke with, uh, with a client of mine. Now, I won't say the name of the person because it would be a bit embarrassing, but a chief executive of a large uh, recruitment firm who was struggling, frankly, to, uh, to get a, a, a social media post on LinkedIn uh, and all manner of explanation over the phone where I'm trying to explain how to uh, uh, find the content, find the, uh, the image, upload the articles and so on. They were lost at every single step of the way. Uh, you know, they didn't know where the address bar was in the browser. They didn't know how to make a post on, uh, on, on LinkedIn. They didn't know how to copy the URL in, in, order, in order to share the post. Uh, so that was that's an example of extreme frustration. Now, this person, in, in all other regards, is a genius uh, and runs a very successful recruitment firm, uh, making shed loads of money. But when it came to this, uh, was completely inept. Now, so, you know what? You proved the, the guy's making lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have to know this. He could hire guys like you to do it for him. Hey, Alejandro, that's you can back me up point. on my that. Point hey, is, who wants to back me they, up on this before you go on? Anybody want to support me on that? Who cares? The I'm, guy doesn't I'm know sorry. how to put a poke. I, I wasn't paying attention. I missed it, so I can't okay. back it up. It's that, the show's that bad. <laughs> the show's that bad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else, my you know? That, my point is that this person is leading an organization where people are seeking his lead and they're not, they're not picking up on even just the basics about exploit the tools that they have. Uh, and and I, before coming on the show, I've spoken to a number of people that I know uh, about this very topic. Is In their experience, is it the case that recruitment is full of people who frankly don't know how to use the basic tools? Uh, and there's a sizable amount of, uh, of recruiters out there who just don't, uh, don't know and will soon become obsolete because they don't. If they what are the basic match, tools? Yeah, let me have one of those. Tools. <laughs> the ba- well, the basic tools are email, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, all manner of social media, uh, and uh, and all the tools that you'll have to bolt onto uh, those things. So, it, being able to export your contacts from LinkedIn, uh, your contacts from from Twitter and Facebook and so on, being able to uh, segment a database and uh, organize mail merges. These are all very basic stuff. Uh, and when it comes to using the ATS systems, recruiters typically, uh, no, not typically, but a certain, a significant amount of recruiters work around uh, the ATS system and are therefore not bought into the, the ATS system that thousands of dollars have been spent on on their behalf. So what's Does the anyone solution? agree with them? What? What's the what? solution? 
what is the solution? You know, this is boring the hell out of me anyway. It's boring me. Let me just address Blake Cannon, okay? Jerry's got a website that he absolutely doesn't use, okay? Blake is giving me feedback. Jerry never uses the the, uh, the URL for his website, and he you, you never know he has it. And I know somebody else who doesn't like me mentioning his name, very successful, one of the you know smartest recruiters I know. He doesn't have a website. I guess he'll eventually build one. You can but... use my name. That's cool. Okay. Oh, this uh, Matt Siami, he wants me to be sure. It's spelled like Miami with an S in front, okay? And his uh, he's, on, he's called in today because his mother has a Scottish background, okay, even though he's Iranian, okay? So uh, <laughs> I, I had to mention earlier on that it was part of Scottish. Uh, if, it's pen, if it's his penis that's Scottish, is in trouble. Yeah, okay, look, uh, yeah, uh, yeah that was, uh, how good are your Boolean skills since you're saying people should be uh, technically uh, – uh, advanced Boolean skills. Are you good? I'm pretty good. I know what I'm doing. Okay. What about search engines? Do the different search engines make a difference? The different search engines can make a difference, but let's face it, most the things that you're looking for can be found through uh, Google or versions of uh, searches. What that difference Google can they? You. What difference can they make? Can you? Do you have any uh, anything to tell us in a nutshell there? No. Okay, good. Okay, so you said that's typical. You said they make a difference, but they don't. There's nothing to talk about. Okay, but you think that counteroffers can be legitimate. You don't think it's uh, bad uh, that you know someone accepts a counteroffer. Sometimes it's a good thing to do. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Every, every counteroffer is, uh, is an opportunity where a candidate could get what they were after all along. Uh, uh-huh. Employers, employers have every good reason to. Uh, to make a counteroffer, and candidates can have every good reason to accept a counteroffer. I had a candidate who, uh, now this, this is a bad example, but I'm going to give you, a candidate who uh, had a job offer with a client of mine, uh, was made a counteroffer of 50% of the firm that he worked for, weirdly. Uh, he would get 12.5% each year for the next four years. Uh, he told me the counteroffer. I said, well, you'd be nuts not to take that. Uh, so he stayed. Uh, and the company was sold four months later. He didn't get his fifty percent. He didn't get his even twenty twelve and a half percent. Did he? So did you he... know, counter offers <laughs> can go both ways. Okay. But so my uh-huh. point is, is, is that counter offers can absolutely be what a, ca- a candidate is looking for, as long as okay, everyone's an adult. Every recruiter, every other recruiter besides you, uh, says that oh, you won't be there in a year. But that's not necessarily true, is it? No, it's not necessarily true, true at all. Again, if you do if you do it as an adult, then. Uh, when you put okay. your okay, your okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. The show, the show doesn't have Move enough on. meat. Okay, so you've got uh, some special approaches to recruiting passive candidates. One of the things is, even if you've uh, never heard of the person before, no one you know uh, knows that person. When you call, you say, "I've been referred to you by someone else, but I can't give, the, I can't give the person's name, right?" And you said yeah. the reason yeah. you do that is you think a, it's flattering. And number two, it reassures them uh, of confidentiality because you've shown that you won't reveal a name. But in fact, it shows them that it isn't confidential. Somebody else actually knows, right? It's not just you and your, yeah. your candidate. There's a third party involved as well, right? You Do you hmm. want to justify it where I think it's foolish? Frankly, you're not kidding any candidate when you say this. Someone has referred their name. They know full well, or they, they they should be able to very least speculate that uh, 
that line is, is, is not entirely truthful, but there's a chance that it could be. Uh, and frankly, candidates are absolutely fine with it. I've never had a problem with candidate getting, uh, getting that line from me. Uh, and they will ask who referred me, and I'll say, I can't tell you. Uh, anything between me and you is absolutely confidential, and any any of our conversation will not go, be going back to the person that referred you in the first place. Uh-huh. Anybody else got a comment on that? Is it worthwhile always telling people that you were referred rather than just saying, hey, I saw you on LinkedIn, I thought I'd give you a call? Why lie? Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? Okay, next thing. You say that you should, before you call someone, you see on LinkedIn or someplace, that you know you should research their peers in the same company and in the companies they worked for before. How long mm-hmm. is that going to take? How long is that going to take? Well, it depends how slow you are, but uh, if you're experienced at using the tools of recruitment, then you can do it in a matter of minutes. Okay, it's not well, hard what, to do. Uh, what tools are we talking about? I, I just assumed you'd be looking up there their LinkedIn profiles. If you're recruiting, okay, if you want to recruit one candidate, you're going to cold call somebody. Uh, and, and how long, how much research time should you uh, put into, you know, looking at these peers before you call? Well, when you look on LinkedIn immediately, you're uh, you're notified of people who are similar to them. You can, in, in a matter of clicks, you can be going to uh, the, the the very next candidate that's been re- recommended to you, or people who are employed by that company. There's okay. So you won't, you won't put a you know, you won't fire. Yeah. So connect to fire will show you where someone's been before. It'll connect you. Uh, it'll help link you through to other people that know that person. Uh huh. It's not but too the, difficult to cross-reference an individual with other people. Uh huh. Well, I think if you put the company name in, if you do like a second search with a similar title yeah. and the company name, uh, and then start going through the people, the results, and then do it for his previous companies as well. That could take a little while before, and if you do it before every call, it's going to add up in terms no, the, of the, time. The, the danger, if you if you're not especially disciplined, the danger is that you go off down a, a rabbit hole, and uh, and it does take too long. So, frankly, you know, a good recruiter would try and limit the time to spend on that. But good recruiters will also not avoid making the call. They'll make the call as soon as possible. Uh, they won't put it off until they get 15 million pieces of information on the individual. Frankly, uh, what, uh, uh, what are you what getting by looking at the peers? What are you getting? What information are you getting by looking at the peers that you think might be useful? Well, if you're inferring that you're not going to get much that's useful, then I agree with you because I always prefer speaking to the candidate and ask the candidate directly. Uh, recruiters and employers always go around the houses trying to get information on candidates when they could just ask the bloody candidate in the first place. Okay, so you're saying it's not worthwhile researching the peers. I'm not sure what you're saying. No, I'm saying it's worthwhile, but don't spend your life on it. But what are you going to get out of looking at them? Can't you tell me? You're going to triangulate on uh, on what they're good at, where they've worked, uh, what uh, what sort of company they've been in. Uh, if you can see that they're part of groups, if you can see that they've been contributing to groups, all of that information is... Uh, hey, is, did is he answer me? Did anybody... I want to comment. Did this guy answer me, the recruiting king of Scotland? Did he give me a straight answer? No. If you have to ask. <laughs> and I got I to gotta tell Blake Cannon, I won't let this go. He does not have an active website that he uses in any way because he's going to be the first person to say, I don't have a website, even though, yes, he does. I've never seen it. I've never seen him promote it. So technically, mm-hmm. yes, Blake Cannon, 
you're right. In practical terms, I don't know. Okay, let's move on. Okay, I just want to do with this passive thing a little more. Okay, so you also say research okay. social media accounts and use 360social.me to look up their mm-hmm. social media accounts. So, I mean, you are, pro- even though you're denying it now, you, in this article I read, you were promoting a, a lot of research before you call the people, okay? And then you say, once you get them on the phone, you need to quickly gauge their interest in making a move before you tell them anything about the job, okay? How do you do that? Mm-hmm. How do you, you do that? Are you interested in making a move? This is not rocket science. You ask yeah, a candidate what the current situation is, how happy are they in the current situation, how do they feel about their career, how is it going. Now, you, you, people aren't going to answer that until you've got a bit of uh, a, a, a bit of chit-chat out of the way. You need to gain their trust. They need to uh, to know who they're dealing so with. Give us a cold need- call. Let's do a little role play. What's your cold call? <laughs> I'm not going to give you a cold call because... Uh, I've just answered the question. Can anybody believe this guy? I'm on the show as a guest. Haven't been here for two years. You ask me a question. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Okay, you know, you're you, you're joining a long line of guests who believe in yeah. being oh, interviewed. No. Animal, animal on, on occasion, on occasion, I'm I'm, I'm going to re- reject what you ask as a question because the question is not. Relevant or personal. a cold call for a recruiter? A cold call for a recruiter is not a, a relevant what question. They, what did we say at the start of the process? Am I currently a recruiter? No, I'm not. No, but you say you were in it since you were uh, 21 in 1987. Uh, I know something yeah. about you. Okay, I did read you up on you, and so and you okay. were in it for many years actively uh, on a daily basis, and you still consider yourself. An expert, okay? So don't tell me you don't know how to ride a bicycle anymore. I don't believe it. You just don't want to answer. Okay. And here's something else, final thing about these passives. You say always check their interest level throughout the hiring process. And if they start to steam, their interest seems to flag, get rid of them. Just pull them out of the process. Do you really believe that? No, I don't. And I don't think I said that. Yes, what it I would was. Say is always, always be ready to pull them. Their interest continually be taking the temperature of your candidate, but what you should always be prepared to do is rewarm up that candidate, get them back, get them inspired again. If they're pulling too far away, then absolutely drop them and move on. Candidates, uh, uh, you should not uh, hang on to candidates any longer than you absolutely need to, because some candidates, frankly, are just not going to follow through for the full process. Hey, Matt Siami from Miami, do you have anything to say? Uh, you haven't talked. Uh, I'm just going to give you a chance. Would you like to say anything? You want to criticize me or, or criticize Steve or anything else? Maybe hung up already. Okay. Uh-oh. Anybody want to say anything? Anybody Bring back Jerry. Talk? What? <laughs> Jerry. vacation short. Poor Jerry. Yeah, okay. Jerry. Yeah, I'll give you some Jerry. Hold on a sec. I think I might have some <laughs> I must have some jury clips here. Uh let me see. You don't want to fuck up here, not me. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah. Okay. I'm well I'm having fun with Steve. I like talking to him, but you know, Alejandro, do you have any questions you. you'd rather ask him? No? Actually I've I've been in another conversation, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, I, no, go on, go on. Yeah. I, I just you, you just started <laughs> commenting. Mike Mike Recruiter, 
Uh, yep. Do you have anything to see you'd like to say? Um, no. No, you know. Okay. There, so there hasn't been very much on the show. What do you mean there hasn't been much? I've been asking good questions. <laughs> Look, does this contradict the current wisdom? I saw this on Facebook today on, on actually Jerry's group. Here's a guy. He says, I just got five job orders from a new client in a new state. I've never worked for that client or in that state. And it's in a new industry I've never recruited for either. Mm. And you know that you know you does does that go against the uh, received wisdom that you have to be a specialist in a field to do a good job? This guy's picked up five job orders from one company uh, in a in a new industry. He has nothing there. Is that a good idea or a bad idea, Steve? I'd say, generally speaking, it's a bad idea. I've had that before, where a client has given me five job orders, uh, but if they're giving me job orders. Uh, and I'm out of state or uh, far away and have never dealt with me before, uh, then, frankly, it seems that the, the, the are, they're either desperate or uh, they've already gone through several recruitment companies already. So, you know, if they're contacting me and giving me five job orders, unless they're giving me some money up front, then these will be local. Well, they probably orders. didn't contact him. He probably, I don't know, I don't know how he got it. Okay, so let's leave that behind. Okay, here's here's something. Here's somebody else. These are real situations. A candidate, yep. before he relocates, he wants an assurance from the employer that he's going to be there for at least three years because he's moved his family in the past and he's got laid off mm-hmm. during the first 12 months. What would you do if you yeah. were in a situation like that? You finally got someone with the skills who's willing to relocate, but they're not going to do it for a short gig and they want to be reassured. You can't get that kind of reassurance, can you? Probably not. If I was the candidate, I'd, I'd try and do the same thing, though, to be honest. Uh, uh-huh. I wouldn't want to move across country unless I had that sort of commitment, and, and companies are very rarely giving it out. So you would have to, frankly, negotiate with the employer and say, well, look, if you really want the candidate, something has to be done here. There's got to be a compromise. Mm-hmm. I read an article today about diversity in hiring in the technology field, and uh, the mm-hmm. woman who wrote the article said, if the hiring manager doesn't see you as a possible friend, the likelihood of getting hired is pretty slim. The hiring process in tech is all about uh, who do you want to have an artisanal organic beer with? And I think I said mm. artisanal right. I don't know. I've only read it. No, I've never heard anyone say it. Okay. So, right. I mean... <laughs> Is that true or not? Do you have an opinion? I don't think that's true at all. I think people people need someone who can do the job. It's a bonus if they they can be friends with them, but no, they they want someone who can do the job and uh, and, and hit hit the targets. Well, yeah, I'm going to completely differ on that. People are hiring with their hearts just as much as they are with their heads. If I've got to work with somebody for seven years. I want somebody who I know is going to be acceptable as part of the team. That's what people are thinking. I mean, well, half no, the, even no, even more basic than that, eight hours or ten hours a day. Sure. I mean, yeah. half of the reason people don't get jobs is they don't sell themselves well, uh, and it's mm-hmm. got nothing to do with their skills. They they wouldn't have gotten acknowledged as qualified and gotten an interview if they didn't have the skills. You said half the reason I, people don't get jobs is because they don't present themselves well. You want to elaborate on that for Matt? Yeah, Matt Siami, your fan. Yeah, go ahead. 
Well, it's not for it's not for Matt. It's just the truth. It's you know you you get people, especially well, I shouldn't say especially techies, but oftentimes you'll get techies and they they don't let their personality shine. They don't you know form bonds. They don't story tell well. That's one of the big hits I have with candidates. If you don't story tell well and you can't draw a personal connection with somebody, you're not going to be considered nearly as highly. What do you mean you don't story tell well? What do you mean by that? If you're looking at the problem the organization is having, first of all, you've got to ask them the right questions during the interview to figure out what the problems they are trying to solve. Once you figure that out, you can relate to what you did in your prior experiences, your past lives with different companies, and sell yourself that way. But storytelling is the key because that's what makes you like a bull. Okay, so hmm. hold on. The story, where's the story come in? Once they say, this is, this is oh, what I'm up against. Oh, when I was against. at Company X, we had some, a similar situation to that. Here's what I did. Here's what the team did. We were able to increase productivity 30% as a result. But how you tell it, if you're more engaging, if you, you've got to bring life to the situation. If you can't... Have you, have you talked to any people who are good storytellers? Sure. Give me an Every example. Day. You must remember... Other recruiters. Story. Do you remember no no do you remember a, good, a candidate who told you a good story you know yes. this with this yes. pizzazz? last week last week I had a woman in here yeah, yeah. she she's an HR pro she's going in she's she runs HR for an HR consultancy and we asked her about what kind of problems do you have what was the biggest problem you had in your last organization during the interview she said there was a lot of nepotism in the organization and I stood up to them and I said, you can't hire this person as a manager, even though he's the nephew of the owner, because he's not qualified. And the owner said, too bad, I'm hiring him anyway. So now her challenge was, how do I turn this person into a leader? How do I turn this person into an innovator? She talked about the, the research she did. She talked about the courses that she took at Harvard on those specific issues. Then she talked about the the process she set up in-house to teach this guy how to innovate and lead and collaborate. And because it was so successful, she rolled it out company-wide because it was a systemic problem the company was having. That worked great. And then they started using it as one of their offerings as they consulted to their own clients. So they opened up a new product as a result. Did you watch My Fair Lady on TV the night before the the interview? (laughs) No, she's just a damn good candidate. Okay. Somebody else was trying to to say something. Was it the guest, Steve? I was Somebody else. No, no, no. Somebody else wanted to talk about these stories and about relating and that they believe that 50% of candidates don't get the job because they're not telling these stories and, and building rapport. Steve, Stephen O'Donnell, yeah. the the recruiting yeah. king of Scotland. How do you build rapport? Is there a way? I mean, uh, you you seem to imply that you know when you call somebody up out of the blue, there is a rapport building process. How should a candidate? For instance, how, how should how uh, you pick the situation? How do you build rapport? Now, uh, Alejandro just told us have stories to tell, right? Yeah, and the, any candidate should go along to an interview with uh, a, a lot of tools in their their, their pack. But uh, preparation, including research on who you're speaking with, and information from your recruiter that tells you the, the nature of the person that's going to be interviewing you uh, is really handy because, of course, lots of interviewers, frankly, are, especially line managers, are terrible at interviewing. So the candidate being able to not necessarily take charge of the interview but to stand their own in an interview and get along with the interviewer as a peer 
uh, is a great way of building rapport. If they know something about the individual and they can they can compare, for example, uh, their background to the background of the line manager, uh, then they can find common ground and they can. You know what? Is can you remember any example from your long history in recruiting of when you coached a candidate prior to an interview about you know who's going to be recruiting them and the company? Can you tell us what you told them? That help them succeed. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> inside. Okay, I'll give you an example. I had a, I had a client called Vesuvius. Uh, Vesuvius is part of a, a worldwide organization where they manufacture industrial ceramics and refractories for use in the steelmaking process. Uh, they had uh, a, an HR manager and a chief executive who, frankly, liked to play with the candidates, who liked to mess with their heads in the interview process. Uh, and uh, and really challenge them. Uh, so when I sent candidates along, and I'm thinking of the first candidate that I had that, that I asked to do this, I gave him the background. I told him about people who had been there for interviews before, people who had come out, frankly, almost in tears because they'd been given such a hard time. And, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I think I've got a bit of what you have. Uh, and this guy, he really stood up and, frankly, told off uh, the, the chief executive and the HR manager. Uh, for the way they were carrying out the interview, uh, and disagreed where he wanted to disagree, and agreed where he where he had to as well. Uh, <clears throat> they were on the phone the very next morning. When can the guy start? Yeah. Okay. What did you tell him to talk like that to them? I don't know. What was uh, what was the I, point I, of that? Yeah. I, I, and this would this would be against the normal the normal run of things in interviews where you're normally pretty deferential to the interviewers. Uh, you're 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 waiting for them to uh, to take their time uh, and take the lead in the interview. But I said no. As soon as they get into that section of the interview, they'll start to give you a hard time, and frankly, they're looking to see how well you stand up to them. Uh, this is what to do. This is how to do. And it how did you know that? How did you know that? That they just from the feedback, feedback from the other candidates, uh-huh. feedback from other candidates, and, uh, and 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 information from the 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 background on the people who are holding the interview. Uh, uh-huh. So no, knowing the people involved meant that I could give the candidate uh, an advantage in the interview that they wouldn't have if they had applied direct for the job. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that sounds like a very special case. What about when someone calls themselves? Not as What? It's much more common than you think. Okay. Well, you said people they were screwing around with the interview with the candidate's head. How do you do that? I mean, I don't even know what you're talking about. You like to talk in high-level general terms. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, they would be giving the candidate uh, examples of what what he would be doing in the job and how he was to go about it and the way that the company did things. So the, the, they were really browbeating the candidate and they were challenging him uh, on uh, elements of his background, uh, that he wasn't any good, uh, that he didn't have the qualifications they would normally be looking for, uh, that he didn't, he, he wouldn't fit in with their environment because it was a lot tougher than he was used to. Uh, so in pushing back, he was able to demonstrate exactly... Uh, okay, that's the, like the uh, stress the interview they supposedly used yeah. on Wall Street. There was an article about that recently. Okay, so the, yeah. I've never heard of that done. I mean, I read about it before. I, I've never heard of anybody... Uh, well, uh, I, I had another another client I can give an example of, and what they would typically do is ask, you know, these off the wall questions. You know, if you were a fruit, what kind of fruit would you be, or yeah, what's your uh, favorite color, or yeah, or sell uh, me this pencil. Uh, frankly, I've had people going into interviews where I knew they were going to be asked the sell me this pencil uh, question, and I've told them to not answer that question. Do not, whatever you do, sell them the pencil because. Uh, it's a trap. Uh, it's not going to get you anywhere, anywhere. It's not going to get you the job, frankly. Don't sell the pencil. 
How did you know it wouldn't get them the job? Because I've, I've spoken with the hiring managers previously, and uh, and I knew what they did and how they did it, and I, and I said to them, look. Do not ask my candidates to sell you the bloody pencil because I think it's an impertinent question that's irrelevant and it's not going to help you identify the candidates that are suitable for this job. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you tell, you, so what do the guys say? Look, you know, that's a dumb question. I'm not going to answer it. It's just like you're doing on, on this show. Well, I, I wouldn't say it as, uh, as bluntly. You as know that, what? I got to say, after talking, to you for, after talking to you for 40 minutes or 45 minutes, I, I'm not surprised you tell your candidates that, okay? So let's move on. Do you negotiate severance pay? Because uh, I talked to someone once, and that was a big issue. He had seven, I can't remember, seven weeks or a few months severance pay coming to him in his current job. And before he moved, mm-hmm. he wanted to make sure the second job would uh, – you know, honor that same level of severance pay, and it was a surprise to me. I'd never had anybody raise that issue before. Do you is that a, do you think that's a an important thing? I've almost never negotiated that. If I'm honest, what what I have done is uh, had situations where candidates are moving from one job where they have a three month notice period, and I know that that's not very common in the states, but certainly in the UK it can be, uh, and moving to another job where there's three months where the, the gap between the old job and the new job or that they want the same protection in the new job. But in senior roles in the UK, that's relatively usual, relatively normal, where you'll have, you'll have a, a three months or sometimes longer uh, notice period at the end of uh, any well, job. Well, here they walk you. Don't they walk you out of a lot of jobs as soon as you say you want to change? They can anyway, do. what about pre-boarding? I, I just learned this uh, this word, pre-boarding, from Dr. John Sullivan. But, you know, I've yeah. known the process. When you, when you when someone accepts a position, let alone if there's three months, but you know even if there's a few weeks, they might not they might be a no show because there's other companies yeah. still calling them uh, before the start yeah. date. And so uh, Dr. John says you have to do certain things to stay in touch with the person, get all the uh, sign up and benefits done in that interim period because if they know yeah. you, they're going to feel too guilty. To uh, to just walk away. Do you do you practice that? Do you encourage your clients, or did you encourage your clients to I, do that? I, I do encourage clients to uh, to stay as close to and to lock in candidates as much as possible. When a candidate is applying for a job, they're applying for several jobs, and when they've accepted job number one, job number two has yet to come back with an offer and may well come back. So uh, I I certainly tell clients, look, this candidate has other interviews on the go, and if you want to lock them in, if you want them to switch off those other jobs, then you need to tie them up, you need to get close to them, you need to bring forward the start date as much as possible. And when they do start, uh, for the first month or two months, there's, there's still a flight risk because they've had applications out to other employers in, uh, in the recent times. So uh, for that point of, from that point of view, you can't just ask someone to start on a Monday and park them at a desk with a yellow pages and a phone. Uh, you really need to, uh, to embed that candidate within the company. Sometimes it's the case that uh, you know, you'll take them on uh, uh, company outings. You might uh, get them involved with other members of staff uh, in, uh, in events that the company has, but you need to embed them in the company and get them emotionally connected to your organization as quickly as possible. Is a TXT resume unprofessional, a text resume? Yeah, Absolutely. I used Why? to get I used to get resumes on uh, on Excel, uh, and I still get re- I, I don't like resumes on PDF, and I know a lot of people do it, but I'm not a fan of it. Uh, but uh, a, a resume on a on a text, that's uh, uh, that's frankly r- ridiculous. Okay, Tony Shea. I think 
Okay, hold on, let me move on. The guy from, we're in the lightning round, as uh, Steve Levy says. Okay, Tony Shea, is that the way the name you see, the, the, you say the name of the, the boss at yeah, Zappos? <coughs> Tony Shea? I don't know. Anyway, Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, I know he's famous for yeah. saying, hire slow, fire fast. But lots of recruiters, and I know it's true, they say the companies are hiring too slow. And just like you said, people are interviewing. And uh, or, or, you know, once you shake them loose and get them ready to make a move, they're very receptive to other recruiting calls. So they're losing their candidates because the they problem drag is their it out. whole program is an outlier animal. Zappos is a terrible example because they're doing one specific thing and they're doing it well. So any kind of advice you take from them as it relates to their program, you have to take with a grain of salt. Yeah. Okay, but he he meant it for everybody. Hire slow, fire fast. What about what does Steve say? Thank you. Jeez, right. it's not the worst advice in the world, but I I prefer to hire fast and hold them tight. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, Whatever if, that. If, let, let's face it. If you if you've got the luxury of time and you can hire slow, then absolutely. If you can if you can plan ahead of time, right? We're going to take this person on in six months. Uh, then by all means, you know, plan for it, work up to it, lay all the groundwork for it. But uh, usually it's the case that if, if you have a job that opens up today and you want it filled tomorrow, uh, then hiring fast uh, is as good a way as any uh, because every day that job's open. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Mike Brandt, Mike Brandt, our friend, Mike Brandt, you probably don't know. Anyway, he said you're never truly negotiating unless both parties are a little uncomfortable. True or false? That's that's true, I think. Uh, uh-huh. But everything's a negotiation. Everything, every uh-huh. conversation is in a negotiation. Yeah, that, that it's not the answer to that question. What time do you go to bed? Me, one in the morning. One in the morning. When do you wake up? About eight. Eight o'clock. Wow. How much time do you spend reading the news, the world news for the day, and the local news? I couldn't possibly answer because I'm doing it all through the day. Uh, okay. I, I've never totted it up. Okay, okay, okay. Are there anything, any questions that somebody hasn't asked they'd like to ask now or issues that uh, I didn't raise that you'd like to uh, to talk about, Steve? Uh, no, uh, well, th- th- my main point when we were speaking earlier about uh, uh, the, the technology and uh, recruiters being uh, uh, morons uh, is just continual professional development in all sorts of other areas uh, of work. People are continually learning new things. In IT, you will be obsolete if you're not continually learning uh, new technology, new programming languages, and so on. Uh, in all sorts of other areas, you need to be putting in the uh, the, the work to make sure that you're still relevant. Uh, and I, I think that a lot of a lot of recruiters are letting technology pass them by, uh, and they're becoming obsolete on a, on account of that. Look, if that guy doesn't know how to post on LinkedIn, I don't know what you're talking about, really. If he doesn't know how to post on LinkedIn, maybe he's got a, a, a some kind of a mental problem or, or brain deficient disorder, okay? Because you said he's smart in, in, other, in other regards. Also, I have to tell yeah. you something. If you're advising someone how to use technology, don't tell them over the phone. You know, download uh, Team Player or something like that or Join.me and show them on, on their screen, okay? That's my advice you Stephen O'Donnell you know if there was an after show today they'd be ripping us up and saying how how, you know (laughs) this was empty it was no good you know what I had fun thank you very much